So let's get started. This is a new podcast, episode or volume one, called Backseat Driver. I'm Kevin. Some people call me Duke. Some people call me Dr. Kevin. You call me whatever you want. We're on a journey. Let's go together. We've got a lot of time to talk and spend and listen together. What we're going to do in this first episode is to start to introduce you to the topics that we'll be discussing. And it'll be all about expanding your life, taking it to a new place, taking your ceiling that's above you and making it expand beyond what you ever thought it would be. Come join us. Let's go. Backseat driver. I'm really excited to be here today and having coffee with you because so often when we talk, we come up with all of these great ideas and you share all of these really powerful wisdoms from your experience. And I think that when we've been talking about it, we realized that there was so much that people could really learn from and really grow from and take and work with. So I'm just excited to be here and having coffee with you today. Talk about no, this. I'm glad you're here with me. You know, uh, it has been kind of a journey to get to here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, what, what I'm feeling, and I think it's what you're feeling, mm-hmm. is that um, we've got a background of um, working together. Mm-hmm. You've been five a, years. You've been a coach for my dental practice for five years. Um, and so there's a lot of safety there for me with you and you with me. Mm-hmm. And for me, the idea is kind of born, you know, I've been practicing dentistry 38 years. Uh, I grew up a country boy in Millington, (laughs) settled in East Memphis, uh, and have had my practice there in Millington and Covington, Uh, one that my dad started in 49. I came in in 82, and in 87, my youngest son came in. So it's three-generation practice. So this is about, yes, the business. This is about the experiences that I've had during that time and the wisdom that I've gained and some of the things I think might help other people in their journey in that area. And then in that process, uh, my life has always been about growth, about learning, seeking, what's what's a better way to be, what's a a more expansive way to live, what's what's a easier, what's a more fulfilling path to freedom. But it's not easier. I mean, do you well, think, I think growth the path, is yeah, I think the path, Yeah, I think it does make the path easier, but it's hard to get there. You're going through. Because <laughs> yeah. life has difficulty. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, first sentence of a book I read 25 years ago by M. Scott Peck, a, a, psychi- a psychiatrist or psychologist, is called The Road Less Traveled. And the first sentence mm-hmm. is three words. Life is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. When you accept that premise, yeah. you understand there's going to be difficulties. But then I've, I'm hoping that these conversations will um, allow us to express some ways that might be helpful to people expand their lives, yeah. and expand their businesses, expand their personal lives. So that's kind of what this was born of. I love it. So you hit on something right there that immediately I was like, what, what makes you want to take those risks what makes you want to get uncomfortable you know or choose a challenging path and and what what makes that 
both safe enough and worth it. Because, I mean, you've done that plenty through the career, through RFD, through your personal life. You've taken plenty of risks. But if you go back far enough, you know, as a little kid growing up mm. in a Southern Baptist church, okay? Yeah. There was always evil out there. There was always trouble out there. Mm -hmm. And there was only one way to get to someplace. And I do believe that can be a very good pathway. However, it began my journey even back then as to, so how you were disturbed. You were disturbed that maybe you were living in a place you shouldn't be in. And so that began that feeling that, hey, I've got some disturbance here and I'm trying to work through it. Little did mm. I know at 64 years old, I'd still be trying to work through it. But <laughs> but as you work through it, you yeah. gain new experiences, you gain more, um, more um, things that you've been a part of that you can start to trust your response. So history, your history becomes that, you know what? I was in this situation that was disturbing, that was, I had to take risk mm -hmm. and I took risk and, and I used concepts that I started to learn about courage and fear and how you make your decisions, intention and intuition and all that. And so you use those and all of a sudden it becomes a base for, well, you know what? It worked then and then it worked then mm -hmm. and then it worked then. And so then you become comfortable taking risks. So that's when you started to trust. So disturbance, are you saying that disturbance triggered making some key distinctions? And by being willing to take little risks along the way. And maybe some big risks. You became more comfortable yeah. trusting. Think about the risks that a lot of us take. I've been married 41 years. I mean, that was that's a risk. When you're thinking <laughs> about it. I mean, you know, really, when you're 23, I was 23 yeah. years old. And I was going, well, I've been dating her four years. I do love her. I mean, is this time to take that risk? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh that can be disturbing trying to think of that. <laughs> and it might have been disturbing trying to get to the final decision. Yeah. Uh, and then you're married 40 years. There's disturbances in that and that you work through. So Kids, buying houses. Yeah, everything. Expanding your business. Just between the two of you, whatever yeah. it is. So, yeah. So there's a, there's a really, good, um, really good quote right here, if I can find it. Probably can't. I'll come back to it. But there's a good poem. Mm -hmm. uh, it's John O'Donohue that we will read a couple of different poems that he wrote. He was an Irish mystic. Yeah. And a uh, poet lived from, he was born, same year I was born, 1956, it turns out. Really? Yep. Died that. in 2008. I don't really know how, but he died at 52. He was a poet, mystic, speaker, and he's written some great books. And um, a good friend of mine shared this one with me, and I've been reading it the last month or two. And so some real neat things in there. And it talks about being comfortable taking, and I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah. How do you get comfortable taking, taking risks? risks? And why do you get comfortable taking risks? So you've always been a, a, long, a lifelong learner. Learner, mm -hmm. that's it. That's kind of a key, I think. Yep, and I don't know how that fits for everybody else, but I think down deep, human beings want to learn. I think down deep, they do. They may shelter themselves from it and they may not do it. They may block themselves. And that's the kind of things that I've learned over the years that I've had to work with to remove some blocks mm -hmm. that would keep me from learning in an area, maybe trying to protect myself from a certain hurt or a certain feeling that I might have that, that I don't want to address again. Yeah. But I think, um, I think every human wants, to, I think there's a couple of things humans want. I think humans, not the Unabomber. Okay? 
yeah. not the serial killer. I think they've had some sort of morphism to how they were, whatever they were exposed yeah. to or genetically or whatever, and they're, they're not looking for the dead. But most human beings, I think, 98% of us, mm -hmm. we're looking to have more fulfillment as an individual. There's a great quote mm -hmm. in here that I was uh, that I don't know who said it. Somebody Irish probably if John wrote it, but it said we'll be we will be we will be lying down on the earth for about 15 million years, and we have a short exposure. Right. So we all know as humans that we're not going to live 15 million years of bones, man. But we know we have a time frame, mm -hmm. right? So every human wants to feel as fulfilled as they possibly can to live the life that's as beautiful as they can imagine. They want that. Mm -hmm. Humans want to be in relationship with other humans. Okay. I mean, it's it, we're, we're pack animals in that sense. Mm -hmm. We're not looking to be a loner. There may be people that do that. I think that's in some ways... There's nothing wrong with being alone, but I think they look to be in a relationship. They look to be in a relationship with the universe, with nature, mm -hmm. with each other, with their pets. Cotton I mean, come on, look at people with their pets. Is that not a relationship? I yeah, mean, that's absolutely. unbelievable, yeah. you know, and that's relationship. Yeah. So relationships come in different forms. Yeah. The third thing I think humans want is they want to feel appreciated. They want to feel an appreciation mm -hmm. from the environments that they're in. That they've made a contribution? Or that Doesn't matter. Okay. It could just okay. be that you walked in the door and you're the next door neighbor and you just look at them and hug them and that hug says, Kevin, I appreciate you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you without even saying words. I appreciate that you're my neighbor. I appreciate that I get to come over here and have this cup of coffee mm -hmm. with you. People wanna feel that they're appreciated, that they have value by yeah. other people. And the other side of that is, People want to show appreciation to other people. It is a human need to want to express that. It feels just as good as receiving it. So when you receive it, that's great. And that fills you. But you, at the most basic level, you as a person want to express it and give it yourself. I think another thing human beings want, they want to make a difference in the lives of other mm -hmm. people. They want You're to make talking... It core tenets of what it takes yep. to be really impactful as a human, but also when you translate that into business. Leadership. That's leadership. part of leadership. Exactly. Yeah, it's part of leadership. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's really what our topic is probably today is what how what are the things that are gonna make someone a better leader. So yes. if you were if this was if right now this is being watched by a dentist or a small business owner or a huge CEO executive, it doesn't matter the basis that you come from as that leader is going to determine the flow of the organization. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. you're absolutely. So we were talking a while back about Simon Sinek and he always talks about infinity game and start with why and, um, and especially leaders eat last, leaders eat last yeah. right? You're talking about when you lead by people and not by numbers. Right. And though, so what you highlighted to me are, those core tenets of what it takes to lead people and lead by people and not by numbers in an organization. So you have to know where people come from. That's yep. what you're saying. That's 100%. what I was, that's kind of what I, that's kind of where I was heading, mm -hmm. right? You have to know where yeah. people are coming from or, or you can't lead them. And where they're coming from is the same place you're coming from. And it starts with, it mm -hmm. starts with the leader. Yes. And it starts with the leader becoming healthy and being healthy. Oh, absolutely. They're so setting that the, culture. If the leader 
if the leader, so that's why you want to learn. That's why you want to grow. That's why you want to accept where you've been, Mm -hmm. acknowledge things could get better Mm -hmm. and work to get better. And so then you translate that to the team. Exactly. When you, when you are actually role modeling it, that's really what you're talking about. You translate that to the team by the actual constant role model, that consistent behavior that shows up over and over. So to dig into really your, your experience, your practice, what were some of the critical distinctions you think you made? Adjustments, growth, and then how did that translate into your business? Because you have a very strong, thriving practice. Right. That evolved. That has you know, evolved it came from many a times. Good base from my father. Yeah. A different time in the world. So it was more of a yeah. clinic. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we changed yeah. it more to a health experience or total health Absolutely. emphasis based on relationship. Let's nurture relationships within the team. And the clients, not that my dad didn't do that, but it emerged to a different level as the world yeah. changed. So many times within the last probably 28 years, because the first 10 years I was learning what I was doing and <laughs> pedaling as fast as I could pedal on a bicycle <laughs> to get to the next room, to get to the next day, to get to the next right. hour, get to the next day, get through. To the next month. Yes. Yeah. And still probably took 250 continuing education hours a year for at least the first 12 to 15 years. Constant learning. Yeah, constant learning. Gotcha. That was more technical. Yeah. But as you're doing that, you're with other dentists that are growing in other ways, so you're learning from them. And then there was other experiences that you would go into for leadership and to yeah. gain your philosophy base and that sort how of thing. How did you know to do that? I'm sorry, I'm getting out of... Yeah, I don't, I don't but know how... how did you know to do both sides? Because that's a challenge for a lot of people. They want to become strong technicians, but they don't understand there's that whole other... You know, I had a great I had a great coach, consultant in 1992, Sherry Conger Rainey. Yeah. And Sherry Conger at the time, and she became Sherry Conger Rainey. And she was my consultant in the office for, she came four times a year from Atlanta, uh, and then Florida. And, you know, I'd had her for eight years. And not only did she help us with our mechanical systems, but she helped us start to understand about leadership. And as mm-hmm. I understood more about that, she sent me to different places. Kendrick Mercer was a fantastic, mentor of mine over the last 25 years. He helped me feel that side of the individual and how you develop your leadership through your development as as a person. The value Uh, of a good mentor. Value of a good mentor. Uh, You know, uh, once you get on the path, I think I was always on the path. I can't remember not being on the path as even a teenager of looking for truth. You're looking for the Uh, ultimate truth, right? There's not every teenager (laughs) do that. I mean, I grew up in the early 70s, right? I mean, I, you know, I, hey, just after the hippie age. Right. So I was looking truth. for truth. I, but I think probably every every person does. You know, Some I can, point. I can remember reading a book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by mm-hmm. Robert Persig back in probably 76, 77. And it was about a man's journey for truth with his son on a motorcycle, all that. So yeah. we're always looking for, so I've always done that. I've always looked for what's, what's, where, and, What's interesting in that book, yeah. what came from that, and the biggest revelation, and I still feel it today, it's like I'm reading it right now, even though I haven't read it in 35 or 40 years. You're really learning about his journey before he had a child. And he was this super bright physicist type person. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to, in the lab, if you will, 
find the core truth, take everything there was in knowledge and bring it down to the pyramid apex of just that's the solid truth. Mm -hmm. And he ended up going crazy and having been in a mental institution for a while because what he found was there is, you don't get there. As you go down, you go out. Yeah. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what he's trying to show his son the story mm -hmm. that because he could see his son starting to take the path he was taking. So the point is, you do look for truth, but it's the truth within yourself. The truth, what is true for Kevin? What truth is true is for Kevin? And right? it's different. It's, it's different. There are core principles to the truth for everybody. How you grew up as a child, what influenced how you respond to things now, what causes you to spend things now to help you avoid certain things in yourself that you don't want to mm. face or to make yourself feel more worthy or more valued or Which more so acceptable. The so there's all that. And so that's that skews the truth for you. And so you're just trying mm. to peel that away. And then as you do that over the years, what I so Sherry was a big part. Yeah. Going to the Panky Institute down in Miami was a big part. Mm -hmm. Dr. Rich Green was my mentor there. There was lots of teachers there, but he became a mentor on the philosophy of Dr. L.D. Pankey. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. But, uh, For another day. But, uh, you know, what I was seeing there, hey, there's another way to be a dentist. There's another way to center your, your business on yeah. having relationships with people as opposed to um, fixing teeth just. See, and that's the so, fundamental distinction. And our, and our slogan is, um, it's not just teeth. Yeah. You know, right. it's not just teeth. You know, so, that's so fundamental because there's a lot, there's millions of practices out there. But the things that make distinctions, what makes your practice really, I think, special and unique. And I think it's important to note that this isn't a practice in a huge metropolitan area. No, no, country. Yeah. yeah. But, and yet it's Next still... Next to a metropolitan area, but yeah. country. Yeah. But it's still extremely progressive, you know, oh, yeah. and it's always been, you know, right. from when your father had it now, right. and it continues to progress with, with Dr. Taylor. And I think that... Technology, oh, yeah. all the ways we've changed how we do it. My dad used to say, this yeah. is a great concept, <laughs> and it's not just about dentistry, but he would say it about dentistry. He... I never forget leaving orientation my first year starting dental school. And dad said, Hey, can I go to orientation with you? I said, Well, sure, dad. So we're driving home. And he said, Well, uh, I hope you listen to that keynote speaker. I said, Yeah, I listened to the keynote. And my dad wasn't one to lecture you. I said, Yeah, dad, I listened to the keynote speaker. I mean, I'm 22. Yeah, dad, I listened to the keynote speaker. And he said, Well, what he said is true that if you love learning, and studying and making changes as things change, you'll love your career in dentistry. But if you don't, you won't. And that what you learn in dental school will just be a thimbleful of what you'll have to know to lead that for to lead that in the best way. And that's what we were just saying. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so where it really hit me was coming out of the um, one of the biggest changes for me philosophically as a dentist. So it didn't change where my base was. My base was I want to know truth. Mm -hmm. I want to know what's true for me. I want to know what is the most fulfilling way to be and to live and to experience this time that we've got, this short exposure of time. Mm -hmm. Didn't change that. But a huge, you have moments in your life where you have an aha 
a woohoo. I like, oh my gosh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And after going to Panky for a couple of sessions and hearing Dr. Green, when he'd come in for an hour, one day, another hour, another day, and he'd talk LD Panky philosophy. Mm. But it's not just about teeth, guys. <laughs> it's about people. Like, it's, I love your thing. There's never been a tooth that walked in on its own. And that's what Dr. Panky would say. That Rich <laughs> Panky was dead, but Rich would say, uh, Dr. Panky was big at sternum pecking. <laughs> and oh, when he knew he that. wanted to make a point, he was a shorter guy, and he'd reach that finger up and he'd point mm -hmm. on your chest. He said, now, are you listening to me? Are you listening? <laughs> Pecking. I've never seen a tooth walk in my office unattached. <laughs> they all come attached to living, breathing human beings, and that's what you're doing. It's about people, not just teeth. You're treating people. Teeth are attached to people. That was a huge shift for me, but what cemented it was coming back. Those are one-week sessions, once a year. Some years we did two. There were six sessions over about five years. And you'd come back, and then you were back in your clinic, my clinic. Mm -hmm. It hadn't really morphed yet to mm -hmm. where it is today or where it evolved to to be more relationship-based. Yeah, and I'm back practice. in my clinic, and, I mean, I'm seeing, I don't know, 20 people, and the hygienists are seeing their people, and I'm rolling in one room. I'm rolling out of another room. <laughs> I am on fire, baby. I mean, I am, you know, we're producing a lot of yeah. stuff. If, you know, we've, we've reached all the things that says, oh, you're successful. This yeah. is great. And I wasn't happy. And you weren't happy. I wasn't happy. I was 10, 12 years in, 12 years now. Yeah. In, and after hearing the things Rich mm -hmm. was poking on me, I just realized, you know, I'm burnt out. I'm burning out. And I was only 37, 38 years old. And so this is a true story. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know, 1130 at night. I used to watch uh, radio, Rodeo. <laughs> And little, rodeo? Yeah, rodeo. Okay. Yeah, rodeo. <laughs> okay. And I can't think of the guy's name right now. He was about this tall, had about five national championships. <laughs> I, I tell the story and I forgot the guy's name. But he talked like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I tell you what, that's one mean bull right there. That one's called mother-in-law. <laughs> and so, you know, you'd watch it. It was just something deranging to watch, yeah, you know? It was right. just like the end of the day, you'd had a long day, your wife's already gone to bed, the kids are in bed, you're just hanging out, and you're watching uh, Donnie, little Don, Donnie somebody, and he's he's a, the color announcer. Yeah. I'm literally watching this thing, probably having a beer. I'm watching this thing, and it's calf roping. Mm -hmm. You ever seen the calf roping? I, I have okay. many so times. So what they do in the calf roping, mm -hmm. the horse is behind the little gate. Yeah. The calf is behind the little gate. Mm -hmm. They let the calf go. Mm -hmm. They blow the beeper, clock starts, gate opens, you take out your cord horse. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Boom. Yeah. Lay it on the side. Jump wrap off, up wrap the it two. Up. You got that in your mouth. Got yeah. a in your mouth. <laughs> wrap it up. Done. And a little Donnie. That's 8.2 seconds. I tell you what, I don't think they'll beat that one today. He is some cowboy right there. Well, I'm watching that over and over. It's like, mm -hmm. it's just a competition. I literally almost started crying. I'm feeling all this that I've gone to Panky a couple of times. I'm not happy in my business. And I just realized why. I was roping calves. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, when you're roping, and I'm thinking about this, this I'm is disturbance. What you're talking I about? I was, I, I was already disturbed. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just 
the emotional about it because I'm in a business where I'm roping calves. I'm going into room after room. I'm a dentist. I, I learned in dental school, you're not going to be happy unless you're smelling tooth dust. You're know, smelling tooth dust, you're a happy dentist, okay? <laughs> so my first philosophical change was coming right now. I realized, yeah. you know, I'm not happy. I smell a lot of tooth dust. I got this hugely successful right. practice on a By national level mentioned. if you looked at it. But I am i don't know about how they feel. I'm the, I'm the cowboy on the horse, yeah. okay? So who's who's the horse? That's my team. Yeah. I'm sitting here realizing that. That's yeah. my team. Working on, working on, working on. I'm, I'm just riding these quarter yeah. horses as hard as I can yeah. ride them. I'm going from room to room. Yeah. And I'm trying to see it in eight seconds. And I'm walking out in the hallway. Yoo-hoo! Little Donnie. Look at Dr. Kevin. He's awesome. He can rope that calf. Who's the calf? Patient. Exactly. Mm. Now, how much relationship is that cowboy having with the calf? Not Zero. much. And not much with the horse, because be honest with you, when the ride's over, his competition's it's over, he takes it to the barn, somebody else probably taking care of the barn, and he's not even thinking about the horse. Super critical distinction, because that horse, those people are just a vehicle to your success. That's it. Ah. Yeah. So the point is, at that moment, I had a metamorphic change. Yeah. I'd heard the phrase, teeth don't walk in by themselves in a task. Yeah. I said the phrase, we treat people, not just teeth. Yep. Okay. That's the way that spoke to me. We treat we treat people, not just teeth. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to change that. I said, we're going to change that. That wasn't easy. And that has been going on for a long time. Now, it feels easy now because we have a team for the last 15 years. And that's what, but, but without getting too technical, we yeah. can do that another time maybe. Right. But there's some dynamic things you can do as a leader in a dental practice or any business that will establish the relationships. And the relationships, it's a it's an easy concept. The re- but people don't think about it. Listen to me. Right. The relationship <laughs> starts this way. Yeah. First, what's the primary most important relationship? And this is a trick question. What's the most what's the primary most important relationship in this process that I'm gonna say is to change your team to a dynamic relationship-based team and office with patients that are seeking a relationship. What's the primary relationship that you have to fix first? Your relationship with yourself. Absolutely, I <laughs> got it. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I was like, no, but yeah. it is. It's and that's yourself. the hardest one yep. and it's never ending. I mean, yep. really, I don't think it is. Yeah, so there's a quote here that Kendrick Mercer would say that we would say to each other when we would lead a, a, we would get together for the seminar weekend, we'd do a sanctuary pledge. We didn't always say the same one, but mm-hmm. we're gonna be safe for each other here today, okay, this weekend. Okay. And um, <clears throat> and one of the ones he twisted around one time, you just made to yourself. And it was this, in whole self, and that's what he called you living from your true person. Mm-hmm. He called that whole self, mm-hmm. okay? That's the genetic person that you are, the basis that you came from, that's rooted be- before you that's mm-hmm. passed down to you over the generations by the gene pool that's going through you, right? That's whole self. Yeah. That's the real person, unadulterated, no environmental influence on you that's caused you to change. It's exactly who you are. It's that new baby that comes out and just lives and lives and loves and nurtures. That's whole self. So yeah. in, in whole self, you make the place to yourself. In whole self, I am always safe for me. Therefore, I am always safe for you. So the very first relationship is you being safe to yourself. And then out of that, you're safe to the team. And that's key. The team has to feel safety and sanctuary from the leader. And they have to feel safety and sanctuary with each other 
each other. And then that evolves, they can be safe for the patients. And then the patients understand this is a safe place. Yeah. This is a place that people are going to love me. These are a place people are going to nurture me. These are a place people are going to fix my teeth, right? But you can't do that rope and cast. No, because yeah. you're what you're doing, what you're actually saying, what I hear you saying, is that you're creating an environment where people can thrive individually. Right. And be appreciated. In a relationship to themselves. Yep. yep. And be appreciated individually. Yep. And that, to me, is the environment where innovation is fostered, where people right. start to have creative ideas, sure. where they can contribute at a, a higher level because sure. they're not afraid of being judged or... Yeah, it's amazing. And it's not a perfect process. There are times as the leader, believe me, there's plenty of times as a leader that I could get drive out of control. I could get in a frustrating situation and come in a way to a client or a patient that wouldn't be perfect. But what you have started when that's your goal, yeah. started in 94 when that became the goal, you have awareness. Hmm. You realize when you're in that process and you back out of it and you be and you're different sooner. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Same with your team. Same with the team with each other. You don't. You're not judging because you're not expecting them to be perfect. But if they get out of line far enough and they're not aware, you have to help them with awareness. John O'Donohue. I think I mentioned his mm -hmm. name. If not, I've talked about yeah. it with you before. Yeah. The Irish poet. He makes a comment that um, which I really liked. It says, um, basically, it says, when you come from creativity as a person, when you come from compassion and you come with warm feelings mm -hmm. and you're, and that's your awareness, creativity, compassion, and warmness, you're going to have an incredible life. Mm -hmm. You're going to express compassion. that and you're going to be creative and ingenuitive and it. it's not going to always be the same way. It's going to be different. It's going to depend on the situation at the time. You're so talking about evolutional. Has, yeah, evolutional, even before you. It's coming from even before you, but it's coming from the history of what you've experienced and as you keep experiencing. And I think that's where probably the practices, the dental practices or a business would grow. Uh, I think that's where a family grows, but mm -hmm. let's just talk about businesses right now. I think businesses grow based on being, having courage. Absolutely. Facing the fears that they may be in the middle of and coming to decisions yeah. that would help them move in a better direction. Taking the risk that they feel led to, which I want to talk about in just a minute. How yeah. do you make those decisions? How, what is the process for making the decisions for change and and to navigate the roughness in the water that sometimes happens? How yeah. do you do that? But every time you do that, it's notched into your bank of experiences. And you don't even have to remember it when you make the next one, you already feel it. You gain confidence that you can trust that bank of experience. You've already done it. You've done it, maybe not that particular experience, but right. you've done something where you took risk and you trusted your decisions and it worked out. And as you keep doing that, it grows. So you're and then the team trusts you. And then the team trusts you. Right. And then the patients trust you. So when we talk about trust though, I don't want the point to get lost in that we're talking about authenticity. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, authenticity that you're kind of, what you're talking about is authenticity that builds trust. They're seeing it not as a mechanism to get more no, 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 out no. of your people or anything, right. but that authentically, this is who you are. This is where you come from. This is what you support. And, and I think very often in leadership that that concept of authentic leadership, um, the value that that brings is the ability to keep, retain, and build trust. 
because it's not a mechanism, but it's really a truth. The two words that have to go hand in hand. Yeah. And I, I haven't done a good job of putting it together today for that. But the two words that go hand in hand. Yeah. Trust. We've yeah. talked about truth. Yeah. I was just there. Too, is, I was just there. There is no trust there. without truth. And when you right. said authenticity, yeah. I put that in the middle. I yeah. agree. That's a good title. Mm -hmm. But it's only authentic because it comes from truth. Right. And it comes from your mm -hmm. truth. Not something you read in a book. You can right. read it in a book yeah. and then incorporate it. it. Yes. Okay. No, it can be but it today. Has to be true today. To who you are. Today, someone could hear this conversation, right? Yeah. And intellectually agree with some concepts mm -hmm. and take that in. Yeah. And when it becomes then part of their heart and part of how they live, then it becomes their truth. Right. Before that, it's just a belief. A belief. Yeah. A belief is not truth. Right. A belief is the beginning of it. Figuring out if it is true and then incorporating that into yourself so yeah. that it is and that it's a part of your truth. Yeah. My truth will be a fingerprint. My fingerprint will be a little bit different than Carrie's fingerprint. Yeah, but absolutely. but there'll be core parts of that fingerprint that are true for both of us. That absolutely. is just truth. Yep. Okay. Which no is question. the things we talked about earlier and the things yeah. we're talking about now. I think yeah. it is truth in leadership. There has to be trust. Mm. The team has to see that they can trust you. The team has to see that you're going to have their best interest in heart. Yeah. For that to mm -hmm. happen, you have to also, they have to see that you'll be kind to them mm -hmm. and and uh, and that they can trust you, right? Yeah, there's Kendrick, consistency. Yeah. There's continuity. Yeah, Kendrick Marshall would always say, the first person you have to be kind to is yourself. Okay? You have to take so care hard. of your self-interest first. Really. You, it's a hard concept totally for people true, to see, but, it's hard. but until I'm kind to myself, nothing will flow out of me that's kind to somebody else. So I want to grab that really quick because, you know, one of the things in healthcare that we find is that healthcare providers very often are so focused on taking care of others that they mm -hmm. really are challenged to put themselves first, right? right? To fill that pot and to make sure that they're well cared for. When, how do you do that? I mean, how, because obviously those first few years, it sounds like that wasn't a focus no. when you were in your clinic years, no, right? I, I know. I thought you gave everything up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, how do that's you, evolved. How do you do that? I'd like to help people get to that quicker than I did. Right. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I would say, um, first of all, you have to form the intent. You have to mm. form an intention. Mm -hmm. You have to form an intent. Some people call it focus. Some people would call it uh direction. Mm -hmm. I prefer to use the word in, intent. Uh, Christians uh, refer to it as prayer and meditation and God's will. Okay. Gotcha. So I'm good with God's will. Let's just put it right here in the human terms. It's my intention as a human. This is what I want to happen. Mm -hmm. So you first have to decide this intention. is what I want to happen. You set the intention. It's powerful. Then from that, you, you start doing processes and reading and studying and talking to other folks mm -hmm. and listening to podcasts or videos or going to seminars or going to church or wherever the environments are, being with a group of friends and having meaningful discussions philosophically. Yeah. And from that, you start to gain what you feel is important. And once you gain that that's important, you form that intent that you're going to make that part of your life. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're talking about. Yeah. If a leader feels like it's important that the team trusts them, if a leader feels like it's important that yeah. patients trust them, if a leader feels like it's important that the whole team trusts each other, if a leader feels like it's important that relationships are built 
with each team member, between each team member, and with every with as many of the patients as they possibly can when they come in, yeah. then that's an intention. And then the action, and, and a good way to describe intention, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's what you intend to do right now. That's an intention. It's not about, an intention is not, boy, it would sure be nice so you're to talking be a about trustworthy commitment. leader. You're mm -hmm. saying when you set that intention, you're committing to that. Right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it right now. It may take a year. It took me 15 years. And it may take, you know, it's been going pretty good the last 10, but it took a long time. But you form an intention. It's yep. right now. That means I'm doing this right now. And the other key to it is yeah. an intention is not here. Yeah. It may start here because yeah. it's intellectual. Yep. Agreed. But it's here. This is when you follow through. No, this is before you can follow through. Oh, An intention gotcha. has to come from your heart. It's a heartfelt, a heartfelt intention will happen in some form. It may not be exactly the form you thought. And so therefore, just to jump, and I know we'll come back to this yeah. someday, but therefore an intention comes to action based on what you feel from your heart. And that's what you do what you feel from your heart, not what your brain told you to, oh, we're on step four now. You know what? You may go to right. step 10 because your heart says you're ready. Fell out of the book yesterday as I was preparing for this um, podcast. Fell mm -hmm. out of a book that I haven't looked at in three years. And it's exactly what I'm talking about right now. Yeah, I taped it to this book because it meant something to me. Liz Do Dolan, I don't know who that is. This is the quote. You don't have to sit on top of a mountain to discover what's right for you. You always know in your heart what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Intention, what I'm going to do right now. Action is intuitive. Action is taken mm -hmm. based on what your heart knows is the right thing to do. In between there, there's study, analysis, time. There's opportunity. It has to be the right opportunity. There's another great example of Samurai Warrior where you do things at the exact right time. Yeah. Uh, so it has I'm to be at the right time. It has to be when opportunity presents itself. And it won't happen without risk. Okay. True. So, so what happens? True. What happens for us is this: we see something that probably needs. We need to have some sort of change. Maybe personally. Maybe within the team. Maybe with how we deliver to the patients. Maybe what our business does. Maybe something in the family. And we know something needs to change. And then we start weighing the risk. Oh, but if I do this, this might happen. That wouldn't be good. Mm -hmm. I agree. But you can't make the decision based on first knowing exactly how it's going to happen. Right. It's the whole idea of vision, action, understanding. You get the vision. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, for this example, saying the vision has changed. Yep. If I'm a leader in the dental office, yep. it's a, how the vision for this office yeah. is going to change, how I've changed it over the years and we've changed it. Mm -hmm. Now there's action that supports that vision to help it happen. Yep. But what people get, what I think, and I think it's even peculiar more to dentists because they're dentists, 90% of dentists, I found out early on in my career, I'm one of the 10%. I don't think like this. Uh -huh. That doesn't necessarily go. I was an English major, okay? I wasn't a <laughs> science. I did major in science, but I was an English major. Yeah. I wanted to be a writer. Yeah. I thought probably some, the mountains in North Carolina and teaching at a university, but I ended up being huh. a dentist, right? But the, but the point is, I don't really think this way, but yeah. most dentists are linear thinkers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, 10 is the finish. Mm-hmm. 
I'm like one, two, three. My heart says we just go nine. We can skip, <laughs> we can skip five, six, seven, eight. We don't need to. It's not necessary. We just go here. So, so a lot of times you're not willing to take risks because, and so therefore change, and so therefore your mm-hmm. practice gets stuck or your business gets stuck because what you see is okay. I got a vision. I got a vision. It's not working too good, and mm-hmm. I'm not supporting my family the way I want to. Or I'm not supporting the clients the way I want to. Or I'm not supporting my team the way it should be. And there's unhappiness here. We've got to make some changes. So the vision is I want this to be a more beautiful place to do that. Okay. 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 What are the actions I've got to do to do that? We start listing the actions and they go, wait, 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 wait a minute. We can't do any of those yet. I got to understand exactly how this is going to work out. And, and when, and it's got to work out exactly perfect. And at the end, it has to be exactly what this vision was. And so it's, so those people operate from this and this is a pathway that won't work, but this is the way mm-hmm. most people, a lot of businesses operate mm-hmm. vision, total understanding, mm-hmm. then action. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many times, if you're involved in a church or any other big organization, yeah. how many times have you get caught up in committees that like never got anything that came out of them because they had to have 16 studies, and yeah. after the 16 studies, then they had to have uh, you know town hall meetings, yeah. four of those, not Welcome just one, and then if we understand exactly perfectly how it's going to be, this is exactly what's coming. Now we can do it. Right. And then you find that nine out of ten and nine out of ten things then never get done. Right. Because by the time they've gone through that process, it's too late. Yeah. They're the samurai warrior, which we'll share one day, they waited too long. They got killed (laughs) and they didn't win. Right. Okay, because they were hesitant to move. So it works this way. Mm -hmm. It works the vision. I want it to be different. I want it to be better in a practice, in a home, whatever it is. I'm gonna take these axes. I feel I made the intention. That's my vision. I feel in my heart mm-hmm. the right thing to do is to take these actions. I don't know that they're going to be the only actions I'm going to take. Right. I don't know that it's going to totally get me to where I want to be with the vision, but I know mm-hmm. I'm going to take these actions. As you take the actions, you start to gain understanding. Exactly. And sometimes the action didn't work exactly the way you thought. That's not failure. That's mm-hmm. learning and understanding. Right. Okay. And that's not judgmental on yourself. That's not beating yourself up. That's not beating the team up. That's not beating up the clients. That's, oh, okay. That didn't work exactly work exactly the way I thought. But you know what? There was some good in that. But now I see that, you know, that's really not where I want to change the vision a little bit. I want the vision to look a little different. And so that's the that's the process of leadership is working on yourself. Yeah. Working with your team. But a part of that is your vision, your actions. So there's an important distinction there too, in that when you start to gain understanding that removing that self-recrimination, removing Mm -hmm. the judgment, because what happens is that when we judge ourselves really harshly in that process, we stop taking action, right? Somewhere along the line, we stop taking action. We won't take the risk because it's too painful because we may feel bad. And who else doesn't get to take any action if the leader has that judgmentalism against his team? Exactly, or against himself. If he demonstrates it or she demonstrates it against himself. First, we're talking, it's always in order. First, it's yourself. Yeah. But now I'm okay with myself, but Carrie and all the team, I mean, y'all have made some mistakes and uh, don't ever do that again. Well, there might be a better way to say that because Because then the team loses their voice and each individual loses their voice. And when they lose their voice, it's no longer safe. Right. But if it's safe and I can express my voice and also 
as a team member, I express my voice. Mm-hmm. When it's all hashed out, that's not the direction we go. Right. And I'm okay with it. I didn't fail. I, I gave my voice. And, but we tweaked it and did it a different way. And now I understand that's where we're going. So I want to go with it too, because I had my opportunity. And the way that shows up very often, and one of the things I've seen in, in your organization is that it shows up by doing masterminds. You know, yeah. here's what we did. Sure. And you can do that internally. We do masterminds internally all the time. We say, okay, I've got a concept. Here's all the things that play into it. But when you're able to take that to the greater group and say, not that it didn't work or it didn't go well or it didn't go right. as you expected, but what else? What else is out there? What else is out in the, the ether? That's when it really becomes powerful because everybody's a part then of that, that you know, realization. Everybody's a part of that growth. Everybody's a part of that expansion. Is the word they word. believed it. Yeah. Because and it became a part of their heartfelt intent. And when it becomes a part of their heartfelt intent, everybody's acting from here. Yep. Not just from here. Right. And it's not from manipulation. It's not about as a dentist, right. it's not we talk to the team about this all the time. Mm-hmm. To our practice, how we've how we develop culture. Right. What our culture is. Yes. Part of what our culture is is that I'm, we're a business. Mm-hmm. Money is discussed. Budgets are discussed. How we do procedures is discussed. How many we do is discussed. But it's never about we have to do this many. Right. It's always about what we have to do is help as many patients as we can arrive at total health. Yes. And total arrive, health. Total health. Total oral health right. is where we're. You know, certainly yeah. if we can help you psychologically or some other way, we will. But we're probably not <laughs> going to fix. We're probably not going to fix your urinary tract. Okay. <laughs> so, so, but but total oral health, right? Right. And 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 I would say that we focus on every member of the team. How can we help Carrie as our patient mm-hmm. understand first diagnose what it would take for her to get to total oral health. Right. Secondly, how do we help Carrie understand this is what it takes? And yeah. thirdly, how do we help Carrie? get to there financially yes. appointment wise all yeah. that how do we Time, how do we support fear, her to get there fear anxiety whatever. all the things how do we help her and then once we get Carrie to say well that's what I want yeah we don't know if Carrie's total health will take three months or three years yeah but she'll have a time plan. And as soon as she's committed and we're committed and we're all on board and we're in relationship with each other and we're enjoying the relationship, mm-hmm. she's already at total health. She may yeah. not have achieved it yet, but she's doing everything it's going to take to get there. So she has but total health. But the intention health. is set. And the intention right? is set. And so for the team, what we talk about is our focus is helping people get to total oral health. Having said that, I'll also tell them, I know part of your focus has to be, and it is the doctors too, that I'm going to take enough money home mm-hmm. to support my family yeah. and to support my lifestyle and yeah. to feel good that what I contributed was rewarded. Yes. Yeah. But it comes from not by manipulating anything. It comes from a pure intent from truth yeah. that the patients trust, that we as team members trust within each other, that that's what we're about. So I'm going to help Carrie as a team member because I know that's going to help Carrie get this done over here and she needs a little bit of help and I got a little bit of time. And so it's that whole idea. And if we do that in the end, at the end of the month, at the end of the pay period, at the end of the year, everybody will have enough money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's about being... But it's not about we've got to have this amount of money. It's about we have to have this amount of total health and trust 
And we know from and trust 30, that it's going to the 38 come. years I've been doing, I know it's going to come. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm assuming my dad had that in his yeah. 33 years before I came in. So for 70 years, that's the way it's worked. So it's probably going to work that way, right? <laughs> and so that's you know yeah. that's that's big. Small intentional. But risk. you do have to come from your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you do have, have to, to conquer. Action. You have to conquer fear. Yes. The fear of whatever, fear of failure. And the know. biggest way to conquer that is remove the judgment. But you're right about so let's, the, the let's, action thing. Yeah, let's listen to this just for a minute about risk. Yeah. This is a poem from John O'Donoghue. Though your destination is not yet clear. It's really, this is about vision, action, understanding that we're talking about. Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of an opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm for your soul senses the world that awaits you. I mean, that's it, man. Super powerful. You will learn to find ease in the risk. And when you learn to find ease in the risk, you battle with fear. So let's talk about courage and fear right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No way to have courage if you don't have fear. True. There is no such thing as courage without fear. There might be bravery. There might be a good a good result of something. Yeah. But if I'm in the foxhole in World War II and I've got to charge that hill up there and I end up charging the hill and I capture 30 people and kill 20 or whatever and we win the battle and I get a medal, mm-hmm. okay? Then it's a medal of bravery or honor or purple hard work, maybe I was injured. That's great. It's only courage if when I left that foxhole and before I left that foxhole, I almost wanted to, you know, I almost had an accident with myself. I was so nervous (laughs) and so scared that I was going to be killed on the way up that mountain. But I did it. I did it anyway. I I went. I took the risk. And I succeeded. That's courage over fear. Yeah. But if I'm doing a fox one, you know people like this, they're not scared of anything, man. I mean, it wasn't any big deal. They don't even think that deep. It's not even that big a deal. All that guy <laughs> said, we got to go up there. Good. Let's I go. like to kill somebody. And they just run up the hill and they have a success. Well, that's fine. They had success, but yeah. they didn't have courage because they right. weren't afraid. And so the the mm-hmm. yin and yang, that's mm-hmm. an Eastern philosophy, the yin mm-hmm. and yang, the opposites, yeah. courage and fear. Yeah. And so as a leader... You're going to have moments in the direction of your business. You're going to have moments. It's even harder in your family, you know, because you're going to have personal. It yeah. becomes even more personal. But, in, but let's just talk about, stay with business right here. You're going to have decisions that come up to where you're going to have to make decisions that you don't absolutely know the outcome. You anticipate what the outcome will be, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to have the courage to quell the fear that it won't work. And the way you do that, is you form your intention that this is where we need to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to study it. I'm not going to be stupid. I'm going to look at all the parameters. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to come to the decision after I let it percolate a little bit. Yeah. And I feel it in my heart. And it's the right way to go. I could give you examples of that, obviously, in our career. I'm curious, though. One of the things that I've noticed over life, and I'm wondering if you have as well, is that the more comfortable you get with that... Yes. The more hungry you get to take risk. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, change is what you mean. I don't know. I think some people, maybe some people are just wired more for change. 
No, too. I think so. Uh, I and think some so. people are just probably not going to. But even if are you're you? not, I'm wired for change. But even and you can change too much. But even True. it doesn't mean one's or better foolishly, than the other. But yeah, yeah, right. I know there's a continuum. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a continuum. A continuum yeah, but I th I think yes, if, yes. As you go further along, and you have more, same thing we talked earlier today. Agree. As you have more experiences, you have more sitting in the well mm -hmm. that have worked. Yeah. You become more comfortable that you're going to make good decisions in the future, even though there's risk. Right. And you become, you probably do look, it's challenges. So you probably do look for challenges. You're constantly packing. You're not satisfied with just the way it is now. What else can we do? Which is what. Yeah, it's awareness. Know, there's yeah. an awareness that there's an opportunity or a void. Or a Perfect example and not a huge risk. Mm -hmm. Not really a huge risk, but some risk, financial risk. Sure. Spend $100,000 on the CBCT machine. If you're not familiar with dentistry, a CBCT is a CT scan like you have yeah. in the hospital, but it's just a oral area. Yeah. And it's not $2,500. You know, you charge 150 or 300 or whatever yeah. people charge. But the machine is 100 grand at the right. time. This is almost five years ago. My son was six months from getting out of dental school, Taylor, yeah. Dr. Taylor, and he was going to come in with me. Yeah. I have a really nice office, a lot of technology, intraoral cameras and laser, all these things. But I didn't have a CBCT. I didn't have a cone beam CT technology machine. Yeah. hundred grand. And back at the time, five years ago, I'd say maybe less than 10% of offices nationwide would have had a CBCT. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. Ten, five I years would. ago. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, less Definitely. than 10%. Definitely less than 15%. Yeah. So it wasn't a common thing to have. Yep. And you're going to spend $100,000 on it. And everybody said, well, you need a CBCT mm -hmm. if you're going to do implants. Mm -hmm. well, we're not, we do implants, but yeah. a surgeon does the mm -hmm. surgery. And, and then we do everything that goes with rest, it. Yeah. Right. So we didn't need it for that. But as I studied it, I realized it was the next technology that was going to, that more and more offices were going to have because it was so much more diagnostic. Yeah. Because you could see things 3D. Let's just talk science for just a minute. Yeah. A radiograph, an x-ray that we all look at, that we were all looking at five years ago only, that's the only way we had to do it, is we've got good bone, we've got a tooth, we've got good bone. Something's happening on the tooth. The good bone on both sides is covering that up and we're putting it on a 2D screen. Right. So there's no depth. We can't turn and look. Yeah. All of a sudden you start taking CTs and you can Slice turn and look up. and you had one just other I day. did. We I can show that, you know, fabulous. HIPAA violation, but mm -hmm. we found an abscess <laughs> on the upper left back tooth that yep. didn't even know was there while well, we were looking for one in another place. Yeah. Right? But it's because Very you can see cool. it did not. So when, but when I bought that machine four and a half years ago, mm -hmm. I bought it for two reasons. I wanted my son, when he came in, to know that dad had a top-notch top practice. Top-notch practice. <laughs> even though dad probably wasn't going to know how to use that stupid machine. I don't even know that we really need it. Yep. But I knew he was a 4.0 at Mississippi mm -hmm. State en engineering major, right? He's going to want So he's been using technology. that type of technology in engineering, and now he's coming out of dental school. And, I mean, he's going to be impressed by that, and I kind of want him to be interested in staying in practice. That was one. Yeah. Second thing was I thought, well, if nothing else, it'll help me some with diagnosis. I mean, I don't know how much it will, but some. So I'm just going to get it. Now, it took a period of time to understand the value. And then he came in. He could operate even better than me. And we all got to where we could use it. Now, four and a half years later, I still think probably only 25% of practices have a CT machine. Maybe. You'd have to look at your clients. Yeah. How many clients? If you have 10 clients, how many would have a CT? Oh, uh, I have two. There you go. There you go. That's 20%. That's yeah. 20%. Yeah. So... Still not highly used, but I yeah. tell you what, I wouldn't practice right. dentistry now without it. 
I wouldn't praise the industry now without it. And you would say, well, you, their argument would be, well, the risk you're taking is you're spending $100,000 on something but that you you're not, not get any value from because 80%, of, 100% of the 90% of the insurance company will give you no fee. Right. So now you either got to charge something, the patient's got to pay it, or you're not going to charge it. And so why would you do that? Well, just by the number of things you diagnose to treat, you not only produce, which is a benefit right. financially, but you also create value with the patients yeah. because they're going, oh, wow, I didn't, man, I didn't never seen this before. But you and can oh, also, I see this. You tie it back to that and they're healthier. knowledge. And they're healthier. Right? It, it ties directly to your core philosophy around the more knowledgeable you are, the better you can practice. The better you can right. practice, the more yeah. you trust that your business will grow. Yeah. Basic, and you had, to have, you had to have courage to risk $100,000. Yeah. And the fear being that you've made, could just be the fear, well, you made a stupid financial decision. You know, or... But knowledge, I... Yeah. I I get you. So I mean, the risk right, the right, risk was you would have this thing sitting in a room somewhere that nobody Nobody used. usually collects dust. Yeah. And, and now what we see is that's not the way it right. is. So it's, it's a small example. It's an awesome Same thing back in 2004, which is a long time ago, when we went to digital radiography. Yeah. We didn't have that. And that, that was $125,000 investment. But most people at that time, less than 20% had that. Now 90% have. 85% of digital technology. But the, back then they didn't, and it's the same idea. The risk was you're doing something that is not going to be that much benefit. It's going to be extremely hard and hard for the practice to even incorporate. Right. Turns out in six months we knew that was totally wrong. Right. You know, like, this is the best thing we ever <laughs> did. did. But when the rep yeah. said, well, uh, do you want to do this? I said, I said, well, tell me how many young dentists have gotten out in the last three years that have gotten a regular x-ray machine developer and he said none i said Good well then i want one just go figure out the price i don't yeah. want to be the 50 year old dentist down there that doesn't have guy. it yeah yeah that's but same, same idea you thought it was you took the risk even though you were fearful that you might not use it or it might not be good for the practice or it might be too expensive because you had to buy computers for all the rooms and all that right because you had the courage to think you know what my vision is i want to be the top of the line as far as providing care I want to have my patients get to total oral health. And, that's and a, I want to create value for the patients so that they can trust us. That was the vision. The action was to buy it. The understanding came later. Yeah. And fortunately, in both those decisions, it was a great decision. But And a topic for another day, but that component of vision. Yeah. I mean, we definitely should talk about vision. And it's, it's bigger than today because I know we've been talking for a bit, but... I think when you think about how powerful vision has been to making those critical distinctions and taking those critical risks, that that it's an often missed component of a really powerful business. Right. And I think what people can hear today, we probably should take a break, but what people should, what I want people to hear through yeah. this process that we're going to do more than just today. Yeah. But yeah. I want people to hear that. <coughs> Your business, mm -hmm. your family life, your community life, your church life, whatever you're about, your circles Absolutely. that you're in, yep. okay? Yep. They're not individual components that are separate. Right. 
they're all the same. It's mm -hmm. always the same you in each one of them. It's always your truth in each one of them. And so all those areas become a little bit like, if you're familiar with martial arts, they call the arena where they perform and battle the dojo. Yeah. And so all of these areas that I just mentioned are your dojos. So when you start looking at your business and your life at your business as not separate, it's still your life. It's the same yes. things you live your life with and the people there live their life when they leave there with the same principles. You're practicing living like that in your dojo, which is your business. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's so powerful. And so what I hope mm -hmm. happens out of this as we move forward is that people, whatever people that is, if it's five people or 500,000, it doesn't matter, <laughs> that people will, some people will be exposed to some things that to them will be like when I watched the calf get roped mm -hmm. and I realized that there was that aha moment. You know what? I can have a different life and life can be expanded differently. And when I made the decision to have a different life and form that intent and to do it differently, it affected all the horses. It affected all the calves mm -hmm. and it affected the whole rodeo arena in the community we were in. And that's, that's what I hope, that's, that's what I hope is powerful. I would, I'd like to end this right now with this. And this is another poem by uh, John. I think it's by John, it's in his book, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, it's not the whole poem. You get his book, Walking in Wonder, great book. I would yeah. highly recommend it. Um, I gave it to a hygienist that worked for me for 40 years, uh, longer than I was there actually. And uh, she sent me back a note the other day and she said, I love this book. She said, but I find two things about it. I'm having to chew it instead of read it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, you're really, deep. you're you really thinking when you're reading it. it. Yeah. And she said, and I find myself only doing it in the early mornings when there's no interruptions and I can totally just read what this is talking about. Yeah, so anyway, I, I love this because this is a good way. We talked today about courage fear yeah. and the risk that's in there that's part of the fear. We talked about trust, we talked about truth. I think yeah. some of that is in this. It certainly depicts, <laughs> I told, I read the team this other day and I told them, I said, here's the thing, what I've learned in my life is, I love all the things I read that I go, yeah, that's what I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I love things too that I read that make me challenged to yes. go, well, you know, what does that mean? Maybe I should look at this, turn this ball around. That's what bit. I'm in pursuit of lately. But, yeah. So I love that too. Yeah. But this really yeah. spoke to me uh, when I read this and it relates to today. May my mind come alive today to the invisible geography that invites me to new frontiers to break the dead shell of yesterdays, to risk being disturbed and changed. May I have the courage today to live the life that I would love, to postpone my dream no longer, but do at last what I came here for and waste my heart on fear no more. So our bones, 15 million years. <laughs> I got about maybe a But we have a short exposure of time. <laughs> Yeah, love Good. it. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. Thank this you was an awesome day. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks, Dr. Kevin. It's great. Yeah, again, do it again. Yes, for sure.